0: Yeshekoch, Jeff, Shabbat Shalom, thank you. Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and uh, welcome. So, uh, it's been a busy week. And uh, when, actually, when I was a kid growing up, I remember being taught in school that when you, uh, it was a journalism class, and when you looked at the front page of the New York Times, that the, um, that the headline, the leading headline of the newspaper was always to be on the top Right hand side of the page. And the reason why they made it on the top right hand side of the page is because they recognized that the human eye always goes to the top right corner first on a page. That's why in the New York Times, the headline seldom, if ever, is ever centered on the page itself. I think of this because we live in a time in a world where there is a lot of headlines. In fact, the headline page is crowded on a quiet day between the, uh, the conflicts of Corona and then of course of the, uh, of the Floyd George riots and protests and then all of the other subsequent kind of categories of things that also are drawn out from those two great subject matters. You might think, and in fact I think you would be right, that most of the other wordly, worthy headline elements don't have room on the headline page. In fact, they actually fall off most of the major news leads. But there is one item that I think, despite the fact that we have these two great twins of headline-worthy news items that are screaming for our attention every day, that being the issue of of, systemic racism and then also of the coronavirus, there is one item that I think will quickly find its way in competition for our attention on that headline page. And the deadline for that item is the 1st of July of this year. What is meant to happen on the 1st of July of this year? Well, according to reports that have been told to us that the Israeli government is going to be announcing an annexation plan of Yehuda and Shamron of the West Bank. And this is a reflection of the peace plan that was generated with the Trump administration. While the Israeli government, and by the Israeli government what I'm talking about is the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, as he is busy still talking about the 1st of July, which when you think about it is but two weeks away, maybe even less from now. That'll be the day that they'll be formally announcing the details of their annexation of this plan, and that we know that already 12 to 13 European countries are lining up sanctions against Israel if they do in fact annex the West Bank, that there are um, measures already being brought to the floor of the United Nations and the Security Council of the United Nations to shank- sanction the State of Israel for, these, um, for this annexation. Despite all that happening there's still a relative amount of doubt as to whether or not it's going to happen, and perhaps more importantly, which you'll never find in the headlines, this really important piece of information. And that is, what will it actually be? So when they talk about the annexation of the West Bank, is the Israeli government actually thinking of annexing the entire West Bank? by every reasonable account that I've been able to glean, the answer is no. That at the very, very most, the maximal position that Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, is now putting forward is that there would be an annexation at the very most of 30% of the West Bank. Which, depending on your political leanings, it's either only a third (laughs) or it's a third. So There's all different ways of looking at them, But in particular, what the Israeli government is looking at is to annex that roughly 30% area of the West Bank that is already heavily populated with Israeli settlements. The question surrounding whether or not that will actually happen is a twisted um, kind of story surrounding the current legal formation of the Israeli government. And let me explain to you what it is. In order for Bibi Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, to form the government, and you remember that Israel had went through a series of multiple elections to arrive at this point, he had to bring into the government his foremost rival, the former chief of staff, excuse me, Benny Gantz, who's head of the Kaholavan party. Part of the signing of their coalition agreement that Bibi Netanyahu did with Benny Gantz was two things. Number one, that after uh, 18 months that Bibi Netanyahu would leave the office of the Prime Minister and Benny Gantz would step into it. They would have a rotating prime ministership. The second item is is that Benny Gantz would in no way shape or form veto any of these strategic elements of the Trump plan that Bibi Netanyahu wanted to do. So from the perspective of Benjamin Netanyahu, it was a near-perfect situation. He could go ahead with the annexation, and his coalition partner, the most major of them, would not be able in any way, shape, or form to stop it. But here's the problem. The American government is not prepared to, in any way, engage in this, the ratification of this annexation plan if any part of the current sitting Israeli government is not willing to sign, that they are completely in favor of it. A cynic might think that the crowded headlines of the day, that being the Black Lives Matters protests and the coronavirus crisis, particularly gripping the United States, is a profound distraction of the news cycle that might allow the Israeli government to slip this annexation in with as little blowback on a public relations level as possible. But it cuts both ways. And that this embattled American administration, who has been criticized left, right, and center for strategic mismanagement, if not, outright malfeasance of these two great crises. There is reports within the American administration that they don't even want to touch this anymore. So what's the net net for us as you're about to read the headlines? And I assume that the rumblings and the news are only going to get greater and louder as we draw closer to the deadline of the 1st of July. American political uh, politicians excuse me particularly Charles Schumer in the Senate amongst others and other leading North American Jewish organizations are all distancing and criticizing any plan of annexation they feel that it is wrong and that Israel should engage first and foremost in a brokered solution that will end in a two state solution that might be wishful thinking in the current situation but I think there's a way of looking at this. If Israel was looking to engage in this annexation for the sake of security, I think that most of us could grudgingly agree in the technical aspects of some element of a form of annexation. But that doesn't appear to be the issue here. Because the Israeli government has near unbridled access with its security forces to enter into any area of the West Bank that it wishes. The concern of course here is, if it's not a security concern and it appears to me that it's not, if it's not a security concern then what is the motivation to do this? The motivation to do it appears to be that led by a growing movement of nationalistic right-wing parties and politicians is that they are gripped with a fever of what we would call Shachzeret which is a longing for the past. The reason why the Trump administration was supporting this movement is because they have been long courting the evangelical Christian base who believes that the expansion of Israeli power over the biblical borders of the state of Israel and what that exactly is, nobody knows for sure, but over the biblical borders of the state of Israel is a preamble to some coming final redemption of the world. It is a fulfillment of prophecies that they deeply wish to see happen. On the Israeli side, on the Jewish side, there are people who feel no less and they can be either secular or they could be deeply religious and they see the the historical connection to these important pieces of land land and places that reverberate deeply with the Jewish soul that the presence of Jews and the history and the fingerprint of Jews on those places date back thousands of years and the thought that we would retreat from them and give them up seems to be an anathema to the very thing that we have struggled for for so many years. But that act of looking back, the act of longing for the past, is a dangerous, dangerous thing. It drives people to do and to think things that under normal circumstances they might be comforted with only dreaming about and never in their life think to do act of trying to go back to the past in some hopeless endeavor, of some journey to think that the perfection and hopes of the past will make our future better, well, that's been a feverish dream of many, many people that has seldom, if ever, ever been realized in human history. The great thing about Zionism is and was that Zionism didn't look to go to the past. Zionism took the strength and wishes of the past and it looked to create a new and different kind of future for the Jews. Zionism didn't look to cure all the ills of the world. Zionism only looked to cure the ill of the Jewish people in the world by forming a foothold for a future Jewish people that would not be subject to the control, whims, bias, discrimination of other people in the world that had been unquestionably proven over 2,000 years of an exile. Zionism is the container that holds the historical longings of the Jewish people. But Zionism is not the wish to make the past happen again. Zionism is, is, is the wish to build a new future built on great, great foundations. This week in the Torah portion we read about the spies going into the land of Israel. And yes, they come back with an evil and broken report. It would only be in the Haftorah that Jeff writes so beautifully for us this morning. Only in the Joshua would the people eventually be able to go in. And they don't speak about borders and size and length or anything of that nature. They speak of the foothold of grabbing a piece of home. Of saying that this is where I live. And this is where I belong. And this is where my children and my grandchildren will live. This is where my future will be built. The upshot of what will happen with the annexation, and I know that you will certainly be reading and hearing news reports and opinion makers on the left, right, and center, and every shade and spectrum in between. But I want you to think about and analyze it with this slight kind of distinction of questioning whether or not it is something done to build a future or if it is built on the dreams of making the past become a reality again. It is a seductive illusion. But even in our tradition, which saw this seductive illusion, they also warned us clearly about it. And in perhaps one of the most well-known and beautiful prayers in the Jewish tradition, when the Torah is placed back into the ark, what, what is the song that we sing? The Eitz Chaim. And the very concluding verses of the Eitz Chaim is Yamenu <laughs> We ask that God will renew our days not as they were in the old times but as they were as if the old times. In other words, we ask for the strength that girded and guided and powered our past to build a new future, not to go back to the past. But they build something even more beautiful, unknown, but something powerful and beautiful. Shabbat shalom.